Hey Pod Sisters, I am so excited to be with you today. You are just going to love my conversation with Kate Hine, one of the co-founders of Brooks Collective. We are talking about fashion, but not just any kind of fashion. We're talking sustainable fashion. Kate lives in Dallas and her sister Kimberly lives in South Africa. One day they were talking on the phone and they began chatting about, of all things, fashion. What fits well, where to find beautiful pieces, and most importantly, how could they ever afford a sustainable and ethically sourced closet? They decided it shouldn't be that difficult to buy beautiful clothes while at the same time valuing human life. It should not have to be one or the other. Couldn't it be both and? That was the point in the conversation where they suggested they figure out a way to do it themselves. And Brooks Collective was born. So without further ado, here's Kate. Well, Kate, I am really just so excited you could join us today on the show. For those of our audience who are not familiar with Brooks Collective, I can't believe they're not because if I know about something that's up and coming in fashion, then I just presume at this point the whole world knows about it because I'm never at the forefront of fashion. Um, but I do think I was lucky enough to meet a mutual friend of ours and she had on the jumpsuit and I finally got one of my own and it is one of my favorite pieces. I absolutely love it. But before I just go on and on and on, I'm going to let you share your own story about Brooks Collective and about your sister who, unfortunately, because this is a second recording of this podcast, couldn't be here today. And I'll explain all of that to my audience later. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at Brooks Collective and tell us about a little bit about yourself and your sister and how all of this kind of came into being. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much. We, I'm so happy to be on here. Kimberly was so disappointed not to be able to make it work, but um, she is living in South Africa, and um, she is. She has been living in South Africa for the last 10 years, and it is a little tricky to do, um, yeah. to coordinate meetings sometimes. Um, but Brooks Collective, we started, um, we started about an, a year ago, maybe more like a year and a half ago, when this concept of Brooks Collective started. Kimberly and I are super close. Um, like I said, she lives around the world from me, but thank goodness for technology. We're able to talk all the time. And so we were just talking on the phone one day about fashion, just the normal stuff that we, you know, what new new styles are you into? What are you looking, what are you looking to buy this season? That kind of stuff. And we started talking about a pair of boots that were, you know, a little bit more expensive than, um, these were Kimberly looking into these a little more expensive than she normally likes to buy, but she's like, you know what, but they're quality made. I know they're going to last. And I know it's from a company that's fair trade. And so we sort of started going down and that rabbit trail of fair trade and what that means and what it looks like. And we realize, you know, we talk about fashion all the time, but what our conversations now are is to like, what kind of fashion is fair trade and what is, what is quality? And it's not so much about the sales and the cheapest thing we can buy and the fleeting fashion, but the classic pieces. And we both were kind of like, oh, hey, this is something that we could really get behind. Is this something that we could do? And that's how Brooks Collective kind of blossomed into what it was, just this, this one conversation, like, hmm, maybe we could do this. <laughs> And, um, and so we did, I mean, we just said, let's just see what happens. Let's take this as far as we can. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then, you know, it maybe will be a little fun adventure along the way. And so that was last March. 
And um, we launched our very first line on March 1st, 2019. It was our uh, spring summer line. And it was amazing. It was such a I mean, a crazy adventure, ups and downs, of course. We um, manufacture our clothes in South Africa, where Kimberly lives. Um, we use a manufacturer that's amazing. We just love partnering with them. And at this point now, we've used several manufacturers that we have gotten to know personally. We know the situation that the women are in that have created these clothes. And we just know that every step along the way, these women have been treated fairly. And um, maybe for those of you who aren't quite sure about what fair trade means, it's basically um, a concept of creating, whether it's clothing or home goods or whatever, fair trade can be anything, but it's creating the product in a way that um, really honors the artisans. So these women are paid not only a fair wage, not only minimum wage, because we know that that's not always enough, and especially in some of these developing countries. Um, it for sure isn't enough. Um, and so it's a living wage. It's a wage where they are able to really care for themselves and their families. Um, it's, it's a living wage and it's um, a clean, safe environment. And it's also a lot of upskill. So they might come in not knowing the, the industry and, you know, particularly at, particularly, excuse me, at one manufacturer that we use, they upskill all of their artisans and they, it's amazing. These women might come in with very little um, concept of what it takes to be a seamstress. And then by the end, they're doing all sorts of things. They're learning as they go. And I just know that for us in the United States, like that's kind of an expectation, right? Like we, we want to keep learning and growing in our industry. And um, it's something that maybe is taken for granted. And that's something that in fair, in fair trade is considered. So, um, so that, that's what we did. And we were super excited to get our first line out. And we just started out with nine original pieces ranging from, like you said, the jumpsuit, which looks amazing on you, by the way, I've seen you in it. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> the jumpsuit and we have uh, some dresses and some tops and, um, you know, another piece of what we're wanting to do is to have really classic pieces just to keep them in style longer. There's so much fast fashion out there. You know, you see the stores um, in the in the mall where you can get clothes for so cheap and you think, you know, if I wear it one or two times, then it makes it worth it. And if you're taking it as just what it is, a piece of clothing, a shirt, whatever, then maybe that makes sense. But if you go back and think like, okay, so where, who made this? Um, under what conditions were they able to sell a shirt for $12, $6, whatever it might be? Um, like someone had to have been paid for that. Well, maybe not because you, otherwise a company is trying to make money and they didn't make money if they're paying someone a fair wage on that. So we're trying to have classic pieces that are going to um, just stand the test of time as well. Yeah. And, you know, I would also add that what you guys have, they're, they're beautiful pieces, but they aren't, they are not astronomically priced. They really are at a price point where I think, it's totally, I don't want to say always affordable because I know everybody's income levels are different, but I mean, these are not like, I mean, you have tops on here. I'm trying to scroll. I'm actually on your website right now. I mean, you have something that I'm looking forward to getting now that I have seen it. It's something called the grandpa sweater, which is like this huge, like blankety looking sweater. It looks so comfy and so cozy. I want to sit in front of a fireplace right now, yes. in it, except <laughs> that it's October in Dallas and 
when we're recording this and it is, you know, 90 degrees outside, whatever. Um, it is $62. So it's like you're, what you have is definitely on the affordable end of fashion. It's, and I appreciate both ends of this. You're not only paying someone a living wage, but you're also like not upcharging this to a ridiculous yeah. price that's unaffordable for the average person. And I just, I love that about your yeah. things. Cause I, th I feel like it gives everybody the opportunity to participate in something like this. Cause that's what I see it. I see it as a participation. Yeah. It's like you made, uh, you gave us the opportunity to participate in something that's just a fabulous idea. And I just love everything about what you guys are doing. Thank you. Well, and that is something that was really heavy on our hearts in the beginning of, do you think that if one, if everyone knew what happened in the fashion industry of how people were treated who create our garment garments, if people knew that they would shop differently, but if it was affordable, people would shop differently as well. So like you said, you, you affordable is a hard word because people are coming from all different backgrounds financially, but we did try to make them um, moderately priced so that, um, so it, the day-to-day -day people can afford it, not just people who can spend tons of money on clothes, but, but most people can afford it and know that they're making, taking a step in the right direction when it comes to fair trade fashion. Well, and I'll just also add, cause I have, I have the jumpsuit and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've already said it once, but I will <laughs> say that it is, it is really honestly well-made clothing that will last. It's not something, and I know you said this, but like as somebody who owns a piece, it's not something that's like just good for a season and oh, I'll never wear that again. It's yeah. not that type of thing. So I appreciate all sides, all sides of that. Yes. Tell us or share with us what were you doing pre-Brooks Collective? Because this kind of came came across mm -hmm. from a conversation that you guys had. Did you have um, knowledge about the fashion industry. I know your sister was already over living overseas. Did she yeah. have the opportunity? Was she already involved with some of these um, companies that you would be going to, to help um, manufacture this type of your clothing? Tell us a little bit about that process and what that looked like. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny because no, I would say no to that answer. We, <laughs> did, we did not. We are two girls that it's like, where did we even come from to do this? Kimberly has actually been overseas for 10 years and working in counter human trafficking among other justice issue problems around the world. And so she is, I mean, she's amazing. I'm her big sister. She's in the trenches. I'm so proud of her things she did. She shows up when she's 20 years old, ready to go change the world. And she made a huge impact in the industry, in, in, in the industry, in the um, counter industry of the sex trafficking movement. And um, that, so that was, that's her background. She's worked with um, women and people, children, and even men who have been treated unfairly in this life and she's worked against the system to try to make changes so and mostly in the sex industry um, and so that's her background and so she has always had a very soft spot on her heart just for justice I mean from the time she was a little girl I we all knew it she was going to do something big our whole family um, and so I think, I think really, if I take it back another step, our parents really raised us to um, have a soft spot for justice. I wasn't in the trenches like she was. I'm not quite as brave as she is. Um, but I, I did social work before I um, had kids. And so I worked with at-risk families and um, children. 
And so we both had this, we both have always had just a heart for people and seeing um, just fairness. And so when it all started, we didn't have the connections necessarily, but um, we did have Google. (laughs) So there's that. No, but we just kind of started off uh, figuring things out as we go. And I just think it was amazing the relationships that we built along the way. Um, this is true story, how we found our first manufacturer. Kimberly was actually working, doing some research about what our first steps are, um, in a coffee shop in Cape town. And she just turned to someone who she just had seen mutually around town, around the area and was like, Hey, do you know any manufacturers around here? And they're like, uh, yeah, actually down on this one street, there's, there's someone. So she just pops in there and she expected to set up a meeting. And so her and I could talk and get, you know, figure out what we want to say, but she wanted to set this meeting up. And Kate, the owner of Sparrow Society, who is our manufacturer was like, yeah, come on in, let's talk. <laughs> and she's oh, like, wow. oh, I don't even know like what questions to ask yet, but it was amazing because, um, we worked together so well and Sparrow Society was our main manufacturer for that first line. And I mean, we just learned so much from each other starting out. It was, it was really incredible. So we did not come into this with experience, but we've learned so much in this past year, year and a half that we're just like different people going into it now. (laughs) No kidding. So what were, now that you've been through one launch, well, two really, what were some of the Mm -hmm. lessons? This is totally off script. What were some of the lessons (laughs) that you learned from the first launch that you were able to take into the second launch? Like what were, were, was there anything that like sticks out to you that you were like, that was the one thing that if, if anybody else were starting a business or starting a company, that that would be the one thing that I would tell them. You know, I just think expectations can be killer. You know, we came in and, um, I mean, luckily we were smart enough to say, well, we can't come in with the first line this very next season. You know, we knew that if we started March of 2018, we were going to need to wait until a full year to get things, our designs in place, our fabrics chosen, um, and everything manufactured. And there was, there's bumps along the way, every step there's bumps. And so I think, um, we, and some of them were, were very unexpected to us. And, and again, like we had to work through, how are we going to, how we deal with this? I'm across the world from the manufacturing. There's a lot that I couldn't do. There was a Mm -hmm. lot that Kimberly couldn't do on this side. So our expectations just needed to be, (laughs) Not, I don't want to say lower. That doesn't sound very good, but they had to be realistic. You know what I mean? And we had to be realistic of we're working with humans and there's mistakes that are going to be made and that's okay. And kind of have a little softer time frame. And so this second go round, I think that for the manufacturing piece, we learned a lot to kind of expect that to, to just know that things were going to happen. But then now our next line is held up in custom. So it's like, there's just, there's always something that's going to happen and it's okay. We're trying to just roll with it. We're not, because we're not fast fashion, we're slow fashion. When bumps along the way happen and it pushes back our timeline, it's okay because we are valuing human life. And in doing that, like we're allowing for some mistakes to happen and it's, and, and we are okay. You know, I'm so glad <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm really so glad you said that because I have, the podcast is about a year and a half as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I've kind of been going through some of the same stuff of, oh, I need to be doing so much more every day. And I have like, yeah. you know, my list of things that I have to get through and it, and I get through it sometimes. I execute that really well. And it's like, wow, I should really be doing more. 
And it's like, Mm -hmm. you can always be doing more or you can always be figuring something out or you can always be tweaking. And sometimes what I really lack is patience. Mm -hmm. Patience with myself, patience with the process, patience with starting something from the ground up. Um, And so I think your words are very wise. I think that is great, great wisdom to impart on people is you just really have to have patience because it doesn't go, there isn't a real zero to 60 overnight. Mm -hmm. True. So I appreciate you saying that. So, so your stuff is currently locked up in customs, huh? Well, it's, it's on its way through. And I just got an email this morning saying that um, it should be available on the 6th, which is Sunday. So that's um, excellent. we're like celebrating. We were hoping to get it in July. So <laughs> this, is, this is good news. <laughs> well, also good news is that the weather is finally maybe going to get cool. So, you yeah. know, we can all not only purchase these wonderful pieces, but wear them. So there's that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> right. Well, that is, it's kind of perfect timing a little bit. Yes. Um, sure. <laughs> all things work out in the end. Yeah, um, they do. Okay. So, um, one of the things that I wanted to, um, talk a little bit about is your inspiration. Um, <laughs> and the design of the clothing. And I know that, I think you said neither one of you actually know how to sew. Is that still the case? Or are we, are you, what are we delving into now that you're on your second line? Is it? (laughs) We are learning so much more. Yeah. We, we're learning so much more, but no, we're still pretty hands-off when it comes to the actual process of it. Um, As far as manufacturing goes. Yeah. 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 Artisans are taking it on. So our designs are going through, um, our manufacturers also has designers in-house. And so we're working, we're collaborating really closely with them and they're amazing. And we have just really gotten to know and love them on a personal level it's, and love to see their creativity come out. It's pretty special. It's really such a neat idea of y'all just really finding some amazing people and saying, Hey, we've got an idea and can you help us out? And they're like, absolutely. And we have the perfect people to match you up with. I just Mm -hmm. think that's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I know one of the other things um, you've mentioned in the past is not only is it um, fair trade as far as um, working with people and making sure people have a living wage, but you also are very um, conscious about the types of materials you use. Um, And I think we've talked a little bit about that, but could you dive into that just a little deeper for us? Sure. Well, we're really excited because this next, this next line that comes out is almost all natural fibers made um, grown in South Africa. And so um, cotton, natural cotton. So the grandpa sweater is one of the, is an example of that. That's all South African cotton. It's so soft. It's so great. And it's so amazing to be pouring into this economy even further in South Africa for their, um, their farming as well. And so that is our goal. Um, is to move into all natural fibers. And I will say the first line isn't completely, but then this, um, like, it's baby steps. We're taking the steps to get there as fast as we can. And we're really excited about the progress that we have made. That is really neat. Now, with your finding, I presume farmers are what they're called. They're just like they are here. Um, Is that through the manufacturers as well that you've been able to build those relationships? Or how have you been able to find 
all of yeah. your different we're, things that fit the puzzle. Yeah, we're working with just um, the textile, the the um, textile companies. So the fabric companies that it's just about relationships, and that's really true. I wish Kimberly was on here to talk a little bit more about it. In South Africa, it's such a relational culture; it's amazing. So when I was there, let's see, when was that? In November, uh, last November, I was there, and we go to talk to a couple of different fabric stores and we start talking about what our needs are what we're looking for and the owner of one shop was giving us a ton of time and we were so appreciative of him we're learning so much because again we're learning as we go and we're telling him what our vision is and someone sitting right across the table from us he's like oh well you got to use this guy here he he does all the cotton here and and he was sitting there listening to us and he and, and he was able to talk to us and fill us in and give us contacts and it was really amazing timing and it was just so neat that um, we just felt like it, it all fit together so perfectly that he was giving us the time listening to our vision and then he had known this man and knew that he was going to be perfect he also introduced us to our knitwear manufacturer who created the grandpa sweater as long as well as um, a crew neck sweater that we have coming out also in the um, South African cotton so it it's so amazing to to see how networking and relationships can build a company and I that's one thing that that was one thing that almost it was one of the biggest surprises for me in starting a company and something that I love is the networking piece I just I love hearing other people's stories and seeing how we can work to help each other and you know growing companies together and you know that's how I met you I just think it's such an amazing piece that maybe isn't talked about but networking is so important and so incredible oh you're absolutely right that is such a very valid and good point um, I have really enjoyed doing this podcast, not just because I'm helping share stories, but it is because of all of the amazing women doing incredible things all over. I've met women all over the country at this point. Um, and it yeah. really is just amazing um, what women are doing and how we can support each other and empower each other and encourage each mm -hmm. other to just follow exactly. whatever path we find ourselves on. Yeah. I want to switch gears just a little bit, something we haven't chatted about yet, but I want to get your take on is working with family. I think it is amazing that you and your sister have such a good relationship that you can actually have a company together. I think that is a testament to many years of probably being pretty close, but I'm now I'm jumping in and trying to tell your story for you. Um, so I'm going to let you talk a little bit about that and share with us what it's like being that yeah. close working with family regularly. Yes. Yeah. Kimberly and I are super close and we have been, you know, for years, I'm six years older than her. So, you know, of course I, maybe not when we were little, but ever sure. since, um, as into adulthood, she's my very best friend. She's, we call each other our soulmates. We are, we're very close and I mean her we haven't lived in the same city for well at least 10, let's see probably close to 15 years so um we we miss each other and um that going to South Africa for Brooks Collective was not my first time like I would be out there to visit her and when she had her children and she always came into town when I had my children and just doing life together is like one of the tragedies in my life that I can't do day-to-day -day life with my sister. That's, that's just how close we are. I just, I love her so much. 
And um, so doing business together, um, sometimes when the closer you are to someone, the easier it is to get irritated with them or to be able to, you're comfortable enough to voice your frustrations where you might bottle that down a little bit more with someone you're not related to. And so we have been very um, conscientious to make communication key and talk through. We've always said what is most important to us is our relationship. So if that's starting to suffer, Brooke's collective has to go away because her and I are, um, our relationship is so important. And um, that's been like a baseline for us from day one. And um, there's been some rough times where it's, it's hard, it's hard to work together, but I would say mostly we're able to talk it through. She knows what my frustrated voice sounds like. I know what hers sounds like. And we're able to say, okay, wait, stop, let's talk this through. And what's amazing because we're so entrenched in each other's lives, not just, you know, outside of Brooks Collective as well. She's able to say, like, what's going on outside of this? Like, clearly, you can't be just frustrated about what's going on here. So let's talk about your life. And so then we'll be able to talk through personal and business. And, and that's, you know, that's huge. And we just have such a mutual respect for one another, that um, we've, we've kind of fallen into the roles that we're, we've taken just naturally in some she's on the ground in Cape Town. So she has to do the, the meetings with the manufacturers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm here and I'm doing distribution and she's fallen into the social media role. And it's, it's certain things like that. And I just, I really think we respect one another and how things are being moved along and how that works. And so that's also a huge uh, point of success for us as well. I wonder because you guys were clearly raised by amazing parents who <laughs> really put an emphasis on others, taking care of others. There had to have been an emphasis there on family and staying connected with family. A lot of the women who listen to our podcast are moms. Mm -hmm. I think you're a mom too. Am I right on that? I do have three girls. <laughs> wow. It's three. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you have any words of wisdom or things you have learned either through being part of Brooks Collective or just, or working with family or, or any words of wisdom you might share for moms out there who want to make sure, because I think that's at the end of the day, there's so much that we're doing for our kids, right? We want to make sure that the earth is still here for our children. We want to make yeah. sure people are treated fairly because it's a world our children are going to be growing up in. And we want mm -hmm. everyone to have equity. It's, you know, it needs to be an equitable place to live. So do you have any thoughts on that or any words of wisdom that you might share um, with moms out there who are also kind of working, owning their own thing, starting their own thing, but are also in the trenches with kiddos? Yeah, absolutely. I, so my three girls are 10, nine and seven. And then Kimberly has two girls that are five and almost four. So we are like, <laughs> there's a lot of them and they're all stair, staircase, stair shelf. What is it called? <laughs> stair stepped um, down yeah. in age. And, um, I guess I just want to say that they are watching and it is powerful to have their, my words come out of their mouth. And it just shows me that, okay, they, they're listening and they're paying attention. And maybe I might've had these ideals of fair trade fashion and, um, how I want to shop responsibly before, but because I'm so entrenched in it now with Brooks Collective, they're seeing and hearing it 
constantly. And they, I have a video of my now seven-year-old talking about how um, when she grows up, she wants to stop slavery. And I just, like, it meant the world to me that she is hearing that and processing it. And um, seeing her mom and her aunt take an active role in that. Um, because in the fashion industry, obviously, with clothes being so cheap, slavery is a commonplace. And so they, they know that. We've been transparent to our children about what that means and why we're doing Bricks Collective. And so um, they're aware of it. And they are, they are proud of their parent of me and their aunt and that's really special too because if there's someone I want to make an impression on in this world it's them and I think that we have and I think that it's um it's going to continue and Kimberly and I have these great hopes of someday our girls stepping in and being a part of this with us and um we just love that they're seeing us being empowered enough to take a step and they love I love that they're seeing us empowering other women around the world and it means so much to us to invite them into that conversation. And that is such a good conversation to have, not just with your children, but with your friends around you. I think, mm-hmm. I don't remember, it may have been y'all who kind of made me look into like some of the brands that, that I love. Mm-hmm. And, and even, try, first of all, even trying to figure out where some of this stuff is sourced is right. crazy. So hard. Um, yeah. it, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. but then it's not just your cheaper clothing that you think that you might, you know, like the $5 t-shirt or whatever. It really is like even some of your higher end clothing, the yeah. way it is sourced. So yeah. I don't want somebody to go out there and think, Oh, just because I bought this piece that cost a fortune. Right. Thinking that that was necessarily sourced from an ethical situation because that's not necessarily the case. Um, do you guys have any stats on that or, or how that's working? I know that there are companies out there because of public pressure that yeah. are trying to do a better job or at least put a better face on what they're doing, whether they're actually doing it or not. Do you guys have any stats on that or, or anywhere people can go and check that out and look and if there's yeah. something they're really interested in? You know, it's really funny that you're bringing that up because I just did on our, on our website, um, we also have a blog that Kimberly and I um, write, and it's a lot about just information because we think, you know, information is power. If you're ed- if you're educated on what is going on in the industry, you're going to take steps in the right direction, most likely. And so we think that that's a that's a huge piece of what our business is is just educating our consumer. Um, and I just wrote a blog about this about um, companies that are just how to beware of just be a savvy fair trade shopper. So um, the, the example that I gave was Target's got this new brand out called, I think it's called Good Threads. Um, and they, I, so we were walking by when Kimberly was in town this summer and they had got this plaque that says fair trade denim. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. This is amazing. So we go, we like grab everything up from this, from this line and go try it on because we're so excited to see it at a big box store. And we start looking closer at the labels and we realize it's only, not only is it just the denim that's fair trade certified, but it's only like two pairs of the denim that's fair trade. And we just felt like it was really sneaky. Like that's really, it's marketing is tricky. (laughs) You know, it's so Uh hard to get around it. And so we walked away feeling just manipulated by the situation. And so we didn't buy anything and we were 
just not pleased. And I, I did research a couple of different times and I just thought, you know, if this is truly fair trade denim at Target, you would think this would be a really big deal for them. Why aren't they, I mean, I see the marketing and they're trying to get you to buy the whole line, even though only these two items are um, fair trade. But I just was surprised there wasn't more information out there. And there's just such a lack of transparency in so many brands. And I finally found enough information to feel really good about the pair of denim that they are offering. It's made in, an, in a factory where uh, Madewell and um, J. Crew make their fair trade denim and uh, what's Everlane makes some denim there too. And so the thing is, is I don't have statistics, but I do know that there's good websites out there that will help you narrow it down. But the thing that we really have to look out for is um, a company who's going to maybe make one product, two products that are fair trade, and then that tricks the consumer into believing that their whole line is. And I want to applaud companies that are taking steps in the right direction. So we would like, they're hearing us. They're hearing that we want change in the fashion industry. So they are taking a step in the right direction, but is it enough? They should be, you know, or, or are they on trend to start making all of their clothes fair trade? Or are they going to stop with that because it's enough to satisfy us? And so the, that's just the kind of information that we've got to do our research on. And there are some really good websites. And I'm sitting in front of my computer right now, and I actually have this website called thegoodtrade.com. And it's usually up on my computer, and it's a great way to list fair trade brands. It's a great way to research if it's something that um, you don't, you're not sure about. Um, so I think that we luckily live in a time where we can do the research online, but um, it's, it's kind of tricky what they're doing to us out there. <laughs> And it was called thegoodtrade.com. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. I will. We've said it twice, and I'll go ahead and make sure to link that in our show notes yeah. as well yeah. on our website. That's really helpful information because I, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about the marketing piece of that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when, you know, back in the day when they used to say, oh, the calories are lower, or it's lower fat, or it's yeah. lower this or whatever. And it's yeah. like, then we really started making people like list the calorie count. It's like, oh, I don't know if I actually really wanted that information. <laughs> um, but when you do have the information and when it's sitting there and staring you in the face, you, you, sometimes I think you make different choices. Yeah. So I appreciate that that information is out there, whether we always want the information or not. I think being educated and being an educated consumer is important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I, agree. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, it is hard to be an educated consumer because we are such generally emotional shoppers. We see something real quick. Oh, I'll just grab that. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's everywhere, all the marketing and then the products and there's so much of it out there and you're going through Target for maybe cereal and there you are with jeans right in front of your face. <laughs> like it's, yes. it's hard to say, time out. I'm going to do my research first. I'll come back and make this purchase because everything feels so urgent in fast fashion. It feels like you need to get it because of the sale. You need to get it because it's going to sell out. You need to get it because it's what's on trend today. But when we can slow down fashion, choose classic pieces that are going to last and then style them. Kimberly and I are really big on styling our pieces. So wear the same shirt 10 different ways, style differently, um, choose your variety through your accessories and through just layering and, and things like that. 
where um, you don't have to buy, you don't have to have a closet full of clothes. You can have a really minimal closet and still have very unique and different looks within the clothes that you have. For sure. Well, speaking of your line, let's get back to y'all's line and talk about some of, you've clearly heard about, and I don't even own it yet. You've clearly heard me talk about the grandpa sweater enough here. Tell me some of your other favorite pieces that are going to be coming out in this, in this new line that you guys have come or or this new line that's out for the the fall, winter and all of that. Well, we have a shawl coming out and it is my favorite piece I think ever that we have. It's pretty simplistic. It's one piece and it tucks in through a loophole and it's so soft, but it is so classy. It's in a gray um, fabric and um, I love it. So we did our photo shoot in Europe this, uh, this summer. So much fun. And um, we were up in Northern Europe, so it was still cold. It was perfect. And we had it layered with dresses and it looked so classy, dresses and heels. We also had it layered with a long sleeve striped tee and um, distressed denim and tennis shoes. And it was so cute like that too. I love when you have a piece that's that's maybe unexpectedly dressed down or unexpectedly dressed up. That's one of my favorite things to do when styling. And this shawl is perfect for both. It is, it's amazing. That is my favorite piece. I could go on and on and on and on. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm actually looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at it yeah. right now. Um, that's one that's available now. And then the other items, most of the other items are coming in, hopefully on Sunday, cross our fingers. Um, but we have a lot of like long sleeve tees that are all South African cotton. Um, we've got a great top that's, it's a white long sleeve. It's longer. So it's going to be great over leggings or jeans. And it's longer in the back with a, a slit on the side. And that one's adorable and it's going to be a really great staple piece for our wardrobes. Awesome. Well, I am really looking forward to it. Um, are you guys going to have any, are you guys planning any pop-ups around the Dallas, Texas area or anywhere um, around the holidays? I know it's early. So to even ask that is probably, well, you know, well, this is this, and this is one of those things that live and learn, right? Um, a lot of the big pop-ups, start taking applications in January um, the year of the wow. year uh, before. Yeah. So um, no, we, in January of this past year, we didn't even know that we were going to be, how we were going to be marketing our products. We were not sure. I mean, this was how green we were getting started. Are we going to just sell out the first night? <laughs> Are we going to be all online? Like we truly didn't know what to expect back. And so um, a lot of the, we are, we're working hard on getting into some, but I don't have any definitive dates of pop-ups at this point. Um, We are going to um, do what we can to get into some. Awesome. (laughs) Well, when you have those, shoot them to me and I will make sure to post those. Um, on my social media and share those as well. Cause I I can't wait. And I know that we can order online and I will obviously be doing that as well. Um, yeah, cool. Well, have I missed anything? Is there anything that we need, you wanted to talk about that I just totally blew past and didn't even think about? No, I just appreciate the time. I think that if, um, people want to check out the blog to maybe understand about, um, what we're about and just get some good tips on, we, like I said, we love styling. That's, that's actually my favorite part about all this is the styling piece. Um, so we talk a lot about how we can do that, giving some good ideas and then just some facts 
about the industry and understanding it so that we can be educated on why we're making the choice for fair trade fashion. So we try to um, just, just educate along the way. I will absolutely link all of this in the show notes. Um, and yes, please check out their blog. It, it really has some great information. Um, and I just really appreciate you coming back and doing this again. Um, of course. This was so much fun and I really enjoyed chatting with you and I hope to see you again soon. Yes, absolutely. I enjoyed talking with you too. All right. Thanks. Have a great day, Kate. You too. Hey, Pod Sisters. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you're enjoying this podcast, head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. And while you're there, I'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review it in order to make it easier for others to find. We also have a private Facebook group, the How She Got Here community page, and would love to have you join us there to continue the conversation on today's episode, as well as any other fun How She Got Here content. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening. I'll see you soon.